Hello and welcome to the Clutch Tennis Podcast. Uh, we have Luke joining us this week uh, for another Masters edition uh, for the Cincinnati Masters this week. Um, so hello Luke, how are you doing? Hello Charlie, I am good thanks, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, so as I was saying, uh, we're in the lead up to the US Open and we're into yet another Masters event. They seem to come thick and fast at this point. Um, all of these events on the hard courts. Um, and last week, an interesting one over in, was it Toronto, isn't it? Um, over yes. in Canada, with Yannick Sinner prevailing, uh, taking home another Masters title. Um, so that was obviously a, a good event. And we did put out a podcast, didn't we, Luke? We did, yes. You called it the Montreal podcast, but yeah, we did put one out. Uh, it's the same thing, really. No one cares. Because um, that is a... <laughs> Dead Masters. Um, no one will remember that Sinner won it, for example. Um, so, as usual, I reckon we'll start by handing over to you just to recap what we went through last week. Yeah, I, I won't spend long on this because it was um, pretty dire, to be honest. Um, yeah, both of our accumulators lost. Um, we did tweet out quite a lot on our Twitter that was quite active this week, um, at Clutch Tennis Pod. Um, but not much success, really. Um, it was only really a, a double in the semis um, that came in at 1.4, 1 to 1. Uh, but that was kind of barely recouping some of the losses that we made earlier in the week. Um, in terms about outrights, um, Charlie went for Carlos Alcaraz, who ended up losing in the quarters. Um, I went for Medvedev. Well, and you went for Medvedev as well, if you're a wild card, um, who also lost in the quarters. And then my wild card was Alex Verov, who lost in round two or round three. I can't remember which. Um, so no luck there either. Um, as as you said, uh, Yannick Sinner beat Alex Diminor in the final. Um, so it was it was another bleak week for us, to be honest. Um, we need need to start turning it around with the with the Grand Slam coming up. Um, in total, it was a loss of seven point five nine units. Um, and then our, our tips of pass was was equally laughable to be honest um i went for a for an Auger aliasim handicap um he managed to lose in straights to max purcell um so that takes me to three and eight for the season um but obviously me having bet against him today um he's gone on to beat berrettini from a set down um so that's that's where my luck's at right now um and charlie if i'm not mistaken you went for a dan evans handicap against um, Gabriel Diallo um, and he lost as well um, so that takes you to 2-9 and nine for, for the season Yeah, that's all pretty yeah. terrible um, In fact, that's about as bad as it could be, really um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's actually possible for us to have a worse week so, could only get better um, as I you said say, that last week though but yeah, no, it, 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 it can't get worse Yeah, true Notable performances, really, obviously, Yannick Tinner uh, played a great week one. Um, I think Carlos Alcaraz showed signs that he wasn't necessarily mentally switched on this week. Um, I don't know if he's already at the ripe age of, like, 19 or whatever he is, focusing on slams rather than masters, but um, but that's almost what it seemed like. Uh, very, very close to losing to Perkash from 5-2 up in the third set double break um, and then lost to Tommy Paul, which is a guy 
type of game style that you would never expect Alcaraz to really struggle with. Um, so, I don't know, a few cracks showing in the Alcaraz game perhaps, but maybe not one to read into too much. I'm not sure how invested he was in winning that title. Um, this week, we have the return of Novak Djokovic, and we have Alcaraz still in the draw as well, alongside all the other big names. Um, so really, it's it's about as stacked as it could be. Um, and I wonder, just before we kind of go on and talk about potential tips for the week, Luke, um, whether or not you have anyone that kind of in that draw or, or any names or matches that, that kind of stand out to you as as interesting chances for the week? Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll just speak a bit about the conditions, I guess, because I, I saw earlier that they've, um, they've got a different surface this year, I think, or it's certainly a different manufacturer. So there's a bit of an unknown on that front, but from what I've seen kind of previous editions i think we can expect um similar to toronto and that it's um kind of moderately fast you know not lightning quick but not as slow as kind of your indian wells or miami um and um i think it's slightly altitude as well which i didn't realize but i wouldn't i wouldn't really into that too much um and then in terms of kind of interesting matches um I guess we've uh, another name that's kind of coming back to the tour after a bit of an absence is Karen Kachanov, um, who's not played since the French Open, missed all, all of the grass swing. Um, and he takes on Andy Murray, um, which which will be an interesting match. Um, Murray also having withdrawn actually last week um, from his third round match against Yannick Sinner. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to see kind of where those two players are at ahead of the US Open. Murray showed some good signs, I thought, in Washington, as I said last week. Um, picked up a couple of wins last week um, in Toronto. Um, so building some form nicely, but obviously there's a bit of an unknown with that um, that injury which forced her to withdraw, although he is in the draw this week. And similar yeah. with Kachanov. I mean, I don't know about where Kachanov's at because he hasn't played in months, really. But... Um... I'd have to think that Murray will not be winning that match if Kachanov is anywhere near where he where he can be. I think Murray has a definite ceiling at the moment. Um, and whilst I would love to say that he's got a, a fighting chance against these guys on their best, uh, I, I just don't see him beating someone like Kachanov. Far too much firepower. Um, and Murray seems to be playing way more defensively than even he did back in the day. <laughs> from what I've seen of him. Uh, so I don't know what, what you think about that, but I would definitely be saying Kachanov would be my, my money pick there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think because because there's so much uncertainty with the fitness around both players, I don't think it's really a betting match, but I I would expect to Kachanov to win. I mean, there's there's one thing about the, the matchup that Murray does have going for him is that um, the kind of variety he has. Kachanov tends to struggle a bit against players that um, can kind of mix it up and hit different spins and uh, and paces and angles. Um, a, a good example of that is his head-to-head against Dan Evans. I think he's lost, I think it's either 3-0 or 4-0 to Dan Evans. And the reason for that is because Evans has such a good slice backhand. He's able to keep it low. Um, Kachanov struggles to, to get down to the ball because of his height. Um, 
and because of that, Dan Evans has, has dominated that matchup when you probably wouldn't expect him to. Murray's also someone with a very good slice backhand, so if he can utilize that well, then then maybe he can he can cause an upset. But I I would expect Catch not to win. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right about the court pace. Um, bit of an unknown if they've redone it this year. Could be anything really. And I didn't see any of the the first round matches that played yesterday, so I can't comment on on what I've seen either. Um, but I, I I don't think there's anything else really that I need to discuss at my end. I just think Djokovic returning. I think you've always got to give him probably at least first or second favourite claims for the for the week. Um, I think there might be a Medvedev lurking around somewhere as well, and he's always really enjoyed the Cincinnati Masters, if, if I recall. Um, he has won it before, and the surface did suit him previously. Um, and he's a bit of a nemesis for Djokovic, so I'm not sure whether or not that'll come into play at all this week. But we haven't seen much from Medvedev in the last last month or two. He hasn't really been performing that well. So I don't know if you have anything to kind of add about Medvedev. No, I, th- I thought he was pretty terrible, to be honest, against Demonor. I mean, yes, Demonor played well. Um, some really uncharacteristic errors on big points. Um, Medvedev's usually quite clutch, um, particularly on serve. But he's, he's served for the first set, um, led 5-1 in the tiebreak, um, still managed to lose it and then kind of kind of fell away in the second set and lost in straights. Um, so, I mean, would you read into that too much? I don't know. Um, he's obviously got a week this week to, to, to turn it around and find some form before the US Open. Um, he's won this event before. An, an odd statistic of Medvedev, he's, ne- he's never won the same tournament twice. I think he's won like 11 or 12 different ATP titles, but um, he's never won one twice. Um and I get, I guess, an, another point with Djokovic as well is that um, he he's only won this event twice in his whole career, um, which is surprising for for a player on uh, that's as good on hard as he is. And one of those victories was also um, when it was held in Flushing Meadows. Um, so this ha- hasn't been the the happiest of hunting grounds for Djokovic, and it's also his first time, even in the country, let alone at this venue for two years, I think. Yeah, so so I just think there's lots of unknowns again this week, which makes it very difficult to, to come up with good selections, really, if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, um, which is where we're going to head right now. Um, so as usual, this week we will go through... Oops. Recording device. Please tell me that that says that it's still recording. It is. Um, okay. Um, so as usual, we're going to go through an accumulator each where we pick a handful of selections that we combine together to make a, a multi with enhanced odds. Uh, we'll select an outright each, so someone we think is most likely to win the event. And we'll select a wild card, which is somebody at longer odds, usually who we also expect to win the tournament, but that's not a guarantee. Um, and we'll do our tips pass challenge, which is where we... Uh, we pick something at odds of around about evens to to see if it wins for the week. Um, so I'll go first with my accumulator. I'll just rattle through this because I'm not actually that confident on a lot of it. Um, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear that. Thanks. 
Uh, I, I just don't think that the value is there, and I'm not really sure what to expect. I'm just being honest. Um, and you'll be baffled to hear that my first pick is uh, Mackenzie McDonald. I've gone for him to be yeah at four to nine, the worst player in the world to pick up a win. Oh my God, now I understand <laughs> why you're not confident. Yeah, his form has been okay, which is better than usual for the worst player in the world. Um, and for somebody with no weapons, you'd expect that this would be a, an interesting venue if it's moderately fast. But um, I think his his game is built on counter-punching and making balls. Uh, Yannick Hampfman is very much a, a, a clay quarter. He, he never really picks up much on the hard courts. Um, and actually, funnily enough, even though he's an altitude clay quarter, he doesn't do great when the, uh, the court surface is fast so whilst altitude clay the the conditions are fast so the ball flies off the racket you still have time off the surface when the ball comes onto him really fast um especially onto his one-handed backhand uh he he really struggles to to get the timing right and as i say his record on hardcore reflects that so i think that if mcdonald can just um up the intensity a little bit so maybe get on the front foot just a touch more and utilise his counter-strike ability to kind of get on top when when Hanfman does deliver that first strike. Um, I really think that McDonald should be winning that. Um, so 4-9, to me, isn't a bad price there. Um, I've gone for Hubert Herkash to beat Kokonakis at 4-9. Now, again, I don't really love going against Kokonakis because he's immensely talented, big server, uh, very good athlete around the court. And given that he stayed fit now for the best part of a year, He's coming into what we'd expect to see is his true form. Uh, however, last week in Toronto, uh, Herkaj did play a very good match against uh, Carlos Alcaraz. Granted, potentially should have closed it out from a set and a breakup, but I think we can forgive him for that against uh, the best player in the world at the moment. Um, and I think that the big serve really bails him out a lot, Herkaj. I didn't realise, but he's the second best server on tour statistically behind Nick Kyrgios at the moment. Um, and that's that's just crazy to me. Um, I think that Kokonak is, is likely to get found out as well uh, by the fact that Herkaj does seem to go into uh, make balls mode once that return is back in court, uh, which I think doesn't bode well for, for him because I don't think Kokonak is the kind of player who wants to have to bludgeon his way through. So I think both on best form, Herkaj is a clear favourite there for me. Uh, there's no match-up in that one with regards to forehand beating forehand or backhand beating backhand. I think uh, that Kokonakis will just struggle uh, to get returns in play, and I think he'll struggle with the consistency of Herkaj. So I think that's another good price there. Um, I've gone for, and again, I'm not totally sold on this, but just based on his recent form, I've gone for D Manor 4-7 to beat JJ Wolf. Um, I think JJ Wolf will just struggle to to um, make enough balls. Really, I think Demonor will will make him miss. That's as much as I'm really going to say on that one. Demonor loves to counter punch. Wolf's definitely going to give him that pace. And I think, barring a really strong serving performance from JJ Wolf, which is always a possibility, and a lights out kind of hit from the back, um, I think Demonor on current form, having played two really good weeks both in Toronto and um, the week before, where uh, was it? The week before, yeah, 
Yeah, where where I think he made the final, didn't he? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm not going crazy. Uh, yeah. So two two good weeks in a row for Demonor would just point towards towards a good win there for him. And that that price there at four to seven, I think, is just a little bit too short. So that's going in for me as well. And then I've gone for somebody who I really haven't liked in recent weeks, which is Taylor Fritz, and I've gone for him to beat Jiri Lehechka at one to three. Reason for this is that Lehechka seems to be somebody who the bookies really favour. I always think his odds come out too short. Um, and uh, basically, this is a good matchup for Fritz, I think. Lehechka is a big hitter, a big server. Fritz, big hitter, big server. I think that Fritz is marginally more uh, capable of mixing it up and uh, creating points with a bit more court craft than the Lehechka. And I think that's where this match will be won and lost. I think that once that returns back in play, the rallies will just edge towards being favor, favoured by Fritz um, because he will be able to pull the Hetchka into positions he doesn't want to be. And both of them have equal amounts of firepower off the forehand wing. So I think that providing we don't end up in two shootout lotteries, two tie breaks, um, I think Fritz is, again, not a terrible price there at one to three. So that fourfold there, McDonald, Hercash, Demonor, and Fritz all together comes to 3.37 to 1. And that'll be my fourfold for the week. Um, as for uh, my tips to pass, um, I'm just going to go ahead and take the uh, probably the Hercash handicap, I think, which I just need to very quickly just gloss over and check what that is. Um, so just bear with me. Do, 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 do. Urkash is minus 2.5 games, which I think is quite a quite a good price. That literally means that he just needs to hold stuff throughout the match and break once. Um, so over to you, Luke. Hmm. Um, that, there's, there's, quite, there's quite a lot about that I, I don't like, to be honest. Um, we've, got, we've got none of the same picks. Um, but McDonald is fine. I considered that. I think he, he should be fine there. Um, Herkaj, I mean, he's he's a hard-to-read guy at the best of times. He he, he could well win this week. Um, but his form's been, been pretty poor this year. Um, it has looked okay in, in recent weeks, in fairness, from what I've seen. Um, but I, the thing that bothers me with that matchup is that Kokonakis has a good enough serve to... Keep that close. I think tiebreaks likely. Um, obviously, Herkaj great server, but a pretty terrible returner. Um, despite you know being pretty solid from the back of the court, um, so I don't love that one. But I think Herkaj should win. Um, what was your last one? Um, so I had Demonor to beat Wolf, and I had um, Fritz to beat Lehechka. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not totally sold on on Fritz at the moment. I think he had quite an early exit in. Um... You can't be sold on Lehechka either. He's won about one match in about seven months. Oh no, I'm I'm not sold on Lehechka at all. And I I agree with you about the bookies kind of rating him too highly because he obviously had that purple patch at the start of the year. Um, if you were listening to the podcast at that point, I was raving about him then. But I mean, since then the the wins just haven't really been there to the same level but the, the prices haven't really changed um so yeah i'm not i'm not solid for it but he should win that um anyway i'll get into my treble um so i've gone for davidovich fakina to beat echeverry at three to ten 
Um, Fakina obviously had a great week last week, uh, making the semis in Toronto, um, beating like the Wolves, Verev, Rude, and McDonald, and he only dropped one set. Um, and you know, given we'd expect similar conditions this week, um, there's no reason why he he can't do well again. Um, re- recovery time um, shouldn't be an issue. He's got he's got two days, um, and his his matches weren't crazy long either, as, as I mentioned, only only dropping one set. Um, and his, his semi-final was a very quick loss, so he didn't he hasn't spent a huge amount of time on court. Uh, Echeverry, on the other hand, um, he's much happier on a clay court. To be honest, he hasn't played a great deal on the hard courts um, this year. I think he's only played one match since uh, Miami in March, um, and I just don't think he'll be able to deal with kind of um, the power that Fakina has. I I struggle to think of, of a bigger forehand. To be honest, I think definitely in the top five. And also the, the kind of lack of rhythm he gives you. It, I mean, he's he's such a binary player, Fakina. He either, you know, he'll hit two scintillating winners and then he'll, he'll hit a few in the back fence. So that's quite hard to play against because you don't really get much rhythm, um, which I think um, Echeverry does like. Um, and going into the matchup, um, Fakina beats him pretty comfortably on the clay early this year, three and three. Um, and the, these conditions definitely definitely suit the Spaniard more, um, so I don't mind that price at three to ten. Um, next match, I'm taking Tommy Paul to beat Mumik Kechmanovic at eight to fifteen. Um, Kechmanovic, he's been poor for for about eighteen months now. Um, to be honest, um, he has made two finals of ATP two fifties this year, um, but he's kind of capitalised on on weak fields and and easy draws and. Um, and when he did face a quality player in the final in uh, Fritz and Rude, he he lost. Um, I mean, the head-to-head is a bit concerning for this one. Um, Kecmanovic leads two nil, five nil in sets. Um, he also won a, a UTR match, but I'm, I'm not counting that. Um, however, their last meeting was at the start of 2022. Um, Tommy Paul has advanced hugely as a player since then. I'd say he's been probably one of the most improved players on, on the tour since since the start of last year. Um, and I'd say Kecmanovic has, if anything, got worse, to be honest. Um, just hasn't hasn't really progressed as, as a player. Um, I just think the matchup stinks here. Um, Tommy Paul, very solid from the back of the court, so is Kecmanovic. Um, but what he's developed in that that kind of 18-month period is a, is, a, is a big serve and a big forehand, which means he can actually win points um, Kecmanovic just doesn't really have those weapons. Um, so I think the rallies generally are, are only going to go one way, and that's that's Tommy Paul's way. Um, so I'm backing him there 8-15. to 15. Um, Now for the last match, I've actually gone the other way. I think JJ Wolf is going to beat Dimonor at 11-8. Obviously, Dimonor is in great form that we've mentioned. Uh, made the final in Los Cabos, made the final in Toronto. But in the last two weeks, he's played a hell of a lot of tennis. Um, 25 sets in 11 matches um, just in those last two weeks. Um, combined with the travelling from Mexico up to Toronto and now down to Ohio. Um, and if there's anyone on the tour that relies on kind of energy, stamina, defence, it is Alex Dimonor. So I think he's got to be tired both physically and emotionally. Um, 
he showed signs of it in the final, um, losing the second set 6-1. He made some kind of uncharacteristic errors. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he withdrew, but as it stands, he's still in the draw at the time of recording. Um, JJ Wolf, on the other hand, he's going to be very up for this. Um, usually does well on the US hard courts. Um, this is his home event as well. He's from Ohio. Um, and he played college tennis here, I think, as well. Um, so this has got to be one of his favorite events of the year. Um, and on these kind of moderately quick hard courts, that, that big seven forehand combo um, can be quite effective. He should be able to keep points nice and short. Um, and he has a bit of form as well, make, making the semis in Atlanta. Um, in the quarters in Washington. Um, he, he did lose pretty badly in the first round of Toronto, but at least that means that he'll be very fresh coming into this one. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's got a great chance to beat Dumanor, um at underdog. Um, so that's my treble. I've got uh, Davidovic Fakina to beat Echeverry at 3-10, to 10, Paul to beat Kecmanovic at 8-15, to 15, and Wolf to beat Dumino at 11-8. to 8. And that treble has odds of 3.73 to 1. Um, and, that, and my tips pass is going to be the Wolf Handicap, which is plus 2.5 games. I'm just going to go ahead and sort of say that you don't make a lot of sense, Luke, because um, your logic behind not liking Hubert Hercaz is you never know what you're going to get with him. And then you've gone ahead and backed Davidovich, Fakina and JJ Wolf. <laughs> two, two of the most, like, mentally absent players on the tour. <laughs> so I would, I also don't think that the logic of um, Demon Oz played a lot of tennis and therefore might not be in it is, is particularly relevant either. Cause he is the kind of guy who I'm pretty sure just doesn't ever run out of energy. Um, and I've, I've never seen it personally where I think he's just hit the wall. Um, I've seen it where he's not played well, I've I've never seen it where where energy motivation or anything like that has come into it with him. Um, I mean, it's it's so much though. I mean, eleven matches in fourteen days is a hell of a lot. It, it is. That has to take a toll, even yeah. for him. He's had half to. a week off now. He hasn't played a match for about four days, five days, something. Two da- two days. He's played That's played yesterday. Did he have the first round? Something is that right? He played. He played on Sunday, and his first round is on Tuesday. So one day, one full day. Fair enough. Um, but anyway, um, I don't think it's a problem. Um, I think he could keep going. Really, um, I don't. As I say, I I haven't seen any cracks in the surface so far, so I don't know why it would come out. Um, come out now uh, at match thirteen or whatever the hell it is. So um, yeah, I I don't like the logic on that one and JJ Wolf is crap um, I actually don't know how many matches he's won of, of late let's just have a little look um, oh god this stupid app I hate the thing um, I'm just trying to find him where is he as, there I, is. as, as I said he's made he made the semis in Atlanta and the, the quarters in Washington so it's not like he's got no form well it's, it's not great he's um and in those, he beat Maxim Cressy, Jason Jung, and Dominic Kupfer, and Radu Albert and Michael Moe. <laughs> Huge wins. So, so I think we're looking into what win. Oh, and his last win before that one was Enzo Kurkow. Um His losses have all come to Tommy Paul, Bublik, 
Fritz Griggs or Davidovich for Kina. So anyone who's of any class, he seems to lose to, is is what I'm seeing here. Head to head, Demonor is one nil up. Hopefully, underdog, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, now on to outrights and wild cards. Um, maybe super boring. I'm going for our crisis. My outright two to one. Um, I think that Djokovic in the draw will give him that little bit of incentive. Um, I don't need to go into why I think Alcaraz will win. I think he will win every match that he plays for the rest of his career, pretty much. As long as he stays fit and healthy, I don't think there's anyone at the moment who is kryptonite to him. Um, Djokovic is probably as close as it comes to that. And um, quite frankly, I think two to one, you might want to go each way, I don't know, just to safety net him getting to the final. But I think he's getting there, unless he throws in a howler like last week. Um, and then my wild card, I'm probably going to go with Yannick Sinner um, at 12 to 1, just based on the fact that he won last week. I know that's a bit risky, um, but I don't really see anyone else in the draw that I like. Um, nobody's in clear cut form. Uh, Djokovic hasn't played forever, uh, and he goes in at odds on favourite ahead of Alcaraz. Um, I've already spoken about Alcaraz and why he would be my pick for the outright. Uh, Zverev not going anywhere near him uh, and his odds are too short. Uh, Fritz, not sure. Medvedev, not sure. Uh, Sitsipas is terrible. Um, all these names, you you just don't know what you're getting from them at the moment. Sinner's the only one in reliable form. So I think, quite simply, my outright's going to be Alcaraz and my wild card will be Sinner. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if Sinner goes back to back, to be honest. Um I, I saw something earlier. I don't think that's been done for a very long time. I think something like twice in the last 20 years or something like that. Oh, I, d- I don't think it'll happen either, but uh, if it's him or any of these other guys who haven't won matches, it's probably got to be him who, I've, who I'm going for. So uh, that's the only logic there. Yeah, no, fair enough. He's, he's obviously playing well. Did get a walkover um, against Murray, so not as matches as as usual. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, so, I have not gone for either of those names. I think in, I think in this one, the top half is the one to, to target. You've obviously got Djokovic in the bottom half. Um, you've got Medvedev as well, who, if he does find some form, always a danger on, on you as hard. Um, I mean, Zverev as well, although he was terrible last week. Um, in his loss to, to Fakina, um, Runa as well, um, and Sinner, as you mentioned. So pretty stacked bottom half. Um, quite a quite a tough draw for, for Djokovic, I think. Um, now, you've obviously got Alcaraz in the top half, um, but was was pretty poor last week, um, which, we, which we don't expect from him in kind of all three of his performances. Um, as you as you alluded to, came from behind against Herkash, um, struggled a bit against Shelton in this first match, who um, has not won many matches since the Aussie Open, um, and then lost to Tommy Paul. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it is tough for him to kind of pick himself up again immediately and, and go again this week. It's obviously, you know, I imagine a huge kind of physical and mental 
toll that that, that Wimbledon victory had on him um, in terms of, you know, added spotlight as well, added pressure. He's, you know, he, he's, the, he's the man now after that win. Um, he's now got even, he's even known by non-tennis fans now. Um, so he's kind of carrying that extra weight of expectation on his shoulders um, and it showed last week. Um, so obviously when he's in the draw, he's got a great chance of, of winning any event. Um, but I'm steering clear of him this week. Um, and probably will be proved wrong. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm, I'm waffling on here. Um, but we've seen in the past Cincinnati's had some quite random winners, obviously Borna Chorich won it last year. Um, people like Marin Cilic, um, as well have won it in the past. Um, Try to think of other names. As I mentioned, Djokovic has only won this um, twice. Um, so I think this might be a week um, where we get one of the final, well, at least one of the finalists is uh, kind of an outsider, a relative outsider. Anyway. So I've, I've gone for two of those. Um, my, so my outright coming in at 20 to 1 um, is Andre Rublev. Now I've shown kind of flashes of good form and then um, lost to McDonald last week, which is a bit of an odd result, but I guess it was his first match on hard um, in a while. So he's had a lot of lot of time to prepare for this week. Um, he also played in the doubles last week. So, um, you know, has a couple of, of hard court matches under his belt now. Um, as I say, in that half, he's got a potential quarterfinal against um, Steph Sitsipas, who um, has been, form has been patchy at best all year. Obviously won that title in Los Cabos then. Um, Play from what I saw, a pretty, pretty bad match against Guillermo Fis and and lost. Um, got catching off in that section as well. He's he's coming back from injury. Um, he's done well here in the past. Um, he made the final a few years ago. Um, finally beat his good friend uh, Medvedev here. Um, and at twenty to one, I think he's I think he's got a good chance. And then also in that half, um, my wild card have gone for Francis TFO at forty to one. We know he can play brilliant tennis on this U.S. hard courts. Um, it hasn't quite happened yet, um, but he did come through a fairly difficult first round in Talon Greekspor, who's who's playing really well at the moment. Um, so maybe that can be the kind of kickstarter he needs um, to kind of prove, in a way, that 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 U.S. Open run was not a uh, was not a fluke, and that he really is a big time player. Because I I think he is. Um, his, his all-round game, big serve, big ground strokes, brilliant mover. Um, and when he's when he's on, when he's mentally in the zone, very tough to beat. Um, so yeah, I, I think at forty to one, he's he does have an outside chance of of making the final here. Um, so yeah, outright Rublev twenty to one each way, wild cards TFO forty to one each way. Thoughts. Um, hi. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I don't mind either of those really. Um, again, I don't think either would be my standout names. Um, Rublev was your outright, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. I think he's been pretty poor actually since, um, uh, since just before Hamburg over in Bastad. Um, I haven't really liked what I've seen from him, uh, 
uncharacteristic errors, um, his mental game as well, which was looking so strong, um, seems to have gone a little bit out the window. So I'm not sure on Rublev, but um, but he's definitely not out of it. So no, I, I don't mind either pick really. Um, and I, I, again, with this week, as I said at the start of this podcast, I just struggle to, to look down the list and find form because I think everyone is so patchy right now, um, which is not a good thing. You want consistency and sort of structure if you're looking to to punt. And at the moment in tennis, I just think we're in a transition period for a lot of players. And it's um, it's very difficult to find that right now. So, um, so yeah, I suppose that kind of concludes the, uh, the podcast this week, um, unless there was anything else that you wanted to add, Luke. No, um, just make sure to follow our Twitter um, at Clutch Tennis Pod um, because we'll be um, tweeting out a lot of lot of accumulators um, throughout the week. So make yep. sure to see, follow those, and also let us know your thoughts on the on the Demonor against Wolf matchup because we're we're clearly split. That'll be an interesting one. We'll get a poll out for that one. Um, but yeah, no. So thank you for joining me, Luke. Thanks, Charlie. And we'll be back again next week for a recap of how this week went. Um, and what event is it next week, Luke? It's the the huge Grand Slam of Winston-Salem. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, we may be back next week. We'll see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, best of luck if you're hunting this week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>